0: If it was me, you'd absolutely love to be 17 up as opposed to being 17 points down. There's no upside to being 17 nil down at that stage, you know. It's a shocking start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.
1: OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave
0: or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. John Bruin, the football writer, joins us on the line. John, morning, how are things? I'm
1: okay, lads. How are you?
0: Keeping well, keeping well. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, I know that the Europa League final last night was not one for the football purist, possibly. <laughs> but um, what, what was your general take on it? It was a, it was a bit bonkers.
1: Uh, it was a dog of a game, wasn't it? It was really, really ugly. Um, who are we going to blame for this? <laughs> I've, I've got a good idea. Go on. Uh, I cast my mind back to 20 years ago. Watching uh, this this same competition, though uh, it was called the UEFA Cup back then. Uh, Porto versus Celtic. Uh, another dog of a game. And who was the manager there for <laughs> uh, Porto who won? Uh, you, also, um, speaking of, well, of Irishmen, uh, do you remember the... Get the uh, cast your mind back to when Roy Keane stood on Vitor Bayer? Do you remember this incident? Oh, yeah. Uh, and he was sent off... Well... When Roy did that, I understood, because that was Manchester United that night, as they were in the return leg, the famous one in which Jose Mourinho, let's name this guy, <laughs> uh, came to the fore, wound the opposition up, and uh, they, uh, gamesmanship we call it these days, don't we? Uh, there's another word that's used these <laughs> days, but I'm not sure we can say it on your... Um, <laughs> at this time of the morning... Um, yeah, that's what it was all about. And the thing is, um, if we actually talk about the tactics, it appeared that once Paolo uh, you know sore muscles had run out, that was the plan. That was the plan. And it didn't go to plan because uh, in Sevilla, you've also got this alchemy, al- alchemical force <laughs> with this competition. No matter who's the manager, no matter who the players are, put them in this position they could win this competition.
0: It just felt so far out, didn't it, that penalties were inevitable? I mean, as yeah, you said, the, yeah. after the ballot goal and then when Sevilla equalised, Sevilla have that period of pressure, but you just feel like penalties are, are always going to happen.
1: Yes, yes, and of course, well, one of the reasons why it, it, it felt so long is that we had an almost record-length uh, second period of added <laughs> extra time, didn't we? Well, did it? Not, did it go to... It nearly went to a half an hour, didn't it? It because went on the,
0: forever. It was a phony war.
1: And, 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 and you know, um, th- this is a season, actually, isn't it, where there's been a lot of discussion over how much the ball was in play, and obviously the FIFA attacked it briefly uh, over in Qatar. Uh, but I mean, I haven't seen the stats, but how how the ball could not have been in play for more than thirty percent of that game at various points because there were just people. Lying around, and um, you know, every time you look, someone had a new muscle injury, and of course, on the sidelines, uh, Jose Mourinho, who um, it used to be that he used to have what was the guy's name that was his uh assistant uh, at Chelsea that just had him as his attack dog. He now appears to have got an entire pack of attack dogs to <laughs> to to attack the referee, um, and and of course, um. I'm sure you chaps have seen the footage this morning, um, waiting under the stadium, the Ferenc Pushgar Stadium, for Anthony Taylor, giving him a bit in the car park. I mean, that's like Sunday League stuff, isn't mm. it? You know, chasing the referee down the, uh, into his car. Um, yeah, welcome. The, the funny thing is, uh, I think at a distance, quite a few people, including myself, I've looked at Jose Mourinho in Rome uh, and seen the devotion that many of the fans have to him. And maybe we've not watched enough Serie A uh, and we've thought, maybe this guy's changed. <laughs> and yeah. do you know what? We were completely and utterly wrong. This is Jose Mourinho. This is what it was. This is what uh, he reduced uh, European football to uh, in the mid-2000s. This is why, um, OK, Chelsea played some decent football under him. But when he left English football that first time back in 2007, a dark cloud was lifted off English football. And uh, he's been back since, of course. But um, And he's never been able to cast the same spell. But that initial spell of, you know, gamesmanship, of, um, you know, referee baiting, of um, doing anything at all costs, of... um, having actually no respect for his own reputation mm. of, you know, of lying, okay, the Dibbela thing, you know, saying he's going to, saying Dibbela might not be fit to play. Everyone knows that is going to play. Come on, let's, let's not be stupid here. <laughs> and and, and, and that all this stuff is the Jose Mourinho remembered. Leopards don't change their spots. Uh, I'm glad we've had him in the game. It's been great to have a villain. I'm amused to see that uh, PSG are linked with his signature, quite heavily my only instinct there is that they want a wrecking ball in there Um, and my great wish actually uh, of Jose Mourinho is that he does come back to the Premier League and comes back to Chelsea just to complete that particular comedy act as well (laughs) Um, I, I think we need this guy just for one last turn
0: he's certainly a story uh, Rui Faria was that attack dog That he,
1: that's he, the guy yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. funny yeah that, that incident last night I mean Mourinho was the attack dog when it came to, to Anthony Taylor and seeking him out as you said under, underneath the stadium as, as Taylor was, was going to get his, his, uh, his lift home I guess um, that, th- does that sort of thing you reckon put Mourinho out of some club's minds like for the likes of PSG or other clubs being linked with Jose Mourinho look at that and go oh yeah I forgot this is, this is what he brings this is what he's like
1: yeah, I think actually there has been this idea that uh, in Rome he's played a little bit better, fo- better football. Um, and in and also, Rome are Rome a club that have never won much in their time, despite being such a big club. Winning the Conference League uh, did seem to refresh Mourinho himself, uh, and it did appear to refresh his reputation. And I think there was a lot of happiness, you know, when he, when he got out that silly tattoo and stuff like that, and just thinking, you know, because there is there is a there there is almost a, a fun element to to Mourinho. The problem is that you've always got to be laughing with him. Uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it's very much on his terms. But yeah, I wonder, and it, it speaks to the disorganisation of a club like PSG that they might consider Mourinho, mm-hmm. that they might forget that all the baggage baggage that comes with him. Because yeah, I mean, you know, that they're run by. Uh, you know, essentially owned by the the Qatari royal family, uh, who, you know, as we found in the last year, take their reputation very seriously in a worldwide... Do you want this guy at your club? You know, because the other thing is, you employ someone like that and he turns his guns on you, as he did, say, on Daniel Levy, as he's done on Daniel Levy in in recent weeks, as he's done on Chelsea in the past. Um, You know... Yeah, I think uh, that probably wasn't the best job application I've seen.
0: It was the the gesturing and the gesticulating as well on the bench that that nobody was really surprised at, but maybe the the extent of it, John, people were surprised at. Like, yeah, I don't know how many yellow cart it was a thirteen or fourteen given out in all, and so many members of that Roma bench and coaching team and Mourinho himself gets in on the act and gets one just before it goes to penalties. Like, quite ridiculous. Every single decision. That was made across, across the course of the one hundred and twenty plus minutes, uh, and Roma and, and their players have clearly been trained to to do this. It's remarkably ridiculous.
1: It is, and that's not a, that's not a squad without talent either. They've got good players. Um, you know, uh, they, they've, they, they, yeah, it, it's interesting, is it? And you actually look at all those teams to which to, to whom uh, Mourinho is reduced to that. That Porto team back in two thousand three, four, hugely talented team, brilliant players. Chelsea, mid two thousands, you know, um Damien Duff among them, great talent in that team, mm. come on. And yet, that's the thing with Mourinho, they've always got that bearing that scar, that that stamp of Mourinho. And you know, he was at Manchester United. Funny enough, actually, I don't recall much of that type of behaviour at Manchester United. No. Which is weird, isn't it? Because uh, we—it's almost as if the, the later period Mourinho has recovered the zest of his early career, uh, and yet the mid part of the career um, that we saw—I mean, actually at Chelsea, Chelsea's second time out, there was a bit of that stuff. There was the, the winding up of the opposition. Obviously, there was the Steven Gerrard slip, in which you know he put on this performance of pretending to be ill before the game, turned up completely unshaven. Uh, I was at at that match actually and afterwards he uh, when a journalist asked whether he'd been um, ill he breathed on him and said now you'll see whether I was ill or not you know to to say (laughs) to spread his germs Um, you know he's always been a great character for that type of thing but yeah actually Manchester United uh, and Spurs did we see enough of that guy maybe there wasn't enough maybe there was that's a that's a mid-career sag (laughs) and now moving into his 60s He's just thinking, let's just go for it. And maybe with a lesser group of players, he might think lesser group of players, he sees that as the route to victory. He doesn't see any great tactical plan or anything like that. We know what Mourinho tactics are. Um, and a big part of those tactics are the gamesmanship.
0: Yeah, of course, he just turned 60 in January, Jose Mourinho as well. So maybe he decided at 60 he's going to get back to those uh, old days of his youth and, and he had that quiet <laughs> period in between. Potentially, You even saw him throwing the, the, the runners-up medal into the crowd last night, perhaps to, to no one's surprise after the ceremony. It's just one of, those, one of those Jose things. I enjoyed your tweet last night, John, as well. Um, if there's any kids watching the Europa League final tonight, this is what top-level European football often looked like in the mid-2000s. And so right you were. Like, the only thing that probably brought it back to the modern age was the Sevilla players walking up and kissing the trophy with their phones in hand and Taking their little selfies and yeah. and all the rest, so that's probably the only thing that modernised it. But certainly, from a footballing perspective, it did feel uh, something of old, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I, I think so. I think that there's always been the mid two thousands was a, actually quite a dark period of, of, of football because I suppose you came from uh, you know, the nineties. The I suppose you know, think of it from an English perspective. Obviously, you had a, Manchester United always there and thereabouts, so they weren't that great at that period. Um, The Liverpool team that won that tie in Istanbul, no disrespect to Liverpool fans, you know it, not a great team. Um, And then you had the sort of fading of Milan uh, around this time. And so the teams that came through were were teams like like Mourinho's Porto and and Chelsea. Uh, And I'm sure all of us remember those games between Benitez's uh, Liverpool and Mourinho's Chelsea. Uh, I mean obviously there were a couple of semi-finals but there was also the um they were drawn in a group together don't you remember that I mean well no one one could possibly remember anything from those games I think both of them were nil-nil but you know just this awful awful football um in which uh I suppose at that point um winning at all costs became the uh became the key to it and you know uh we should be very thankful to Pep Guardiola for many reasons. And one of them is that the Barcelona team, um, and actually just before that, the, the Frank Rijkaard team maybe, of uh, a, a Barcelona came through and showed that there was a different way of playing the game. And that's what's been so influential over that, that last 15 years. And that's the style of play. And then we had the German model that came in with Jurgen Klopp. Um, and that's changed the way that the matches are played and they're played at much um, higher tempo uh, there's more focus on winning the game the proper way, and uh, yeah, the, the mid 2000s was that sort of morass of of gamesmanships of uh, of controversial refereeing decisions of you know referees becoming notorious of referees being menaced in the case sometimes of Chelsea. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't yearn back for that era, and as I say, in English football, it did feel that when Mourinho left first time
0: out. There
1: was, a, there was something of a, uh, a dark cloud lifted uh, but that dark cloud's in Italy now for
0: mm. the moment <laughs> yeah there's a, bit of, uh, there's a bit of I know you're a succession fan there's a bit of Logan Roy off Jose Mourinho at the moment um, absolutely yeah. likability. <laughs> they're up there together uh, John as well we should touch on, on these Ange Postacoglu to Spurs rumours yes. they seem to be a little bit more than than rumours, if you're to believe that the newspapers this morning, but um, certainly the, the talk being that after the Scottish Cup final this Saturday, that Spurs will certainly ramp up their interest in Ange Postacoglu seems like a good fit football wise. Is it a move that you expect Ange to make?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was put to me over the weekend that um, what what Tottenham sort of don't want to do is have a Nuno situation, and I think you know what I mean by that, which was you know you wait sixty days or whatever it was, over a summer and appoint Nuno Espirito Santo. Now, great to respect, good manager, I believe he's doing well in Saudi Arabia, but uh, that's not what Spurs fans want. And, and well, he could be box office. And the other thing is, he's doable as well. And I think that's part of it. And that's why, uh, um, through uh, you know, various connections in the game, they've been able to get through to that, to him, um I think uh, it's very sad for Celtic um, that they were going to it has been such a great figure for them hasn't he he's really transformed them uh, uh, you yeah. know and it's <laughs> he's going to be a credit to the Premier League when he comes down as well um, and uh, you know totally beloved back in Australia I remember when he came over to to Celtic speaking to a few colleagues over there and they just said you know really love the guy I just hope it works out because you're going to love him too and uh funny enough there's a guy with a, a sunny disposition a positive outlook about football and uh you know compare that to the managers that Spurs have had recently um obviously antonio conte well he made his feelings known about tottenham mm. uh and uh, the football Tottenham played under him obviously and he succeeded uh, with mentioned jose mourinho um listen I- i'm not sure that ange Postacoglu is going to be Um, you know, the the new uh, Pochettino or anything like that but I think he might be a manager that brings a bit of a smile, a bit of cheer the other factor is of course that my expectation is that he won't have Harry Kane to deal with because Harry Kane will have left the club Um, he'd also expect perhaps that someone like Harry Kane would look at someone like Ange Prostokoglu and think okay, uh do I want to work with this guy? He might be a bit below the elite level that Harry Kane wants to work with. That might be a, a mistake on Harry Kane's part. So he's got a rebuilding job to do if he goes in. yeah. Uh, and there is a hell of a lot of rebuilding to do at, at, at Tottenham. Um, because uh, I mentioned Pochettino, obviously he's going to Chelsea. The amount of players or the amount of people still around the club that were back there in that sort of peak Poch era, is really quite jarring. Uh, you know, Eric Dyer is still in the team, and with the greatest respect, you would have thought things had moved on from there. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm all for and going in there. I think that's going to be a good appointment. It's going to be an interesting appointment. <laughs> um, and the feeling I get from, from the Spurs fans is, yeah, it's something different. It's something to be positive about. And, you know, a guy with that element of charisma that's a good thing as well. Because the other thing is, if you're Daniel Levy, um, I mean, I go to Spurs quite a lot. Um, anytime Tottenham concede a goal, the fans start singing about Daniel Levy. Right. <laughs> so they need someone, a front man who is not, uh, who's going to bring a sunny disposition that means that the club is focused away from turning on Daniel Levy. Because that's, that is a big part of the problem with the club. Whether Daniel Levy is the problem uh, behind why the club is underachieved, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. Sh- I'm not so sure because I think he's done a good job in several uh, circumstances or certain, several spheres. Uh, but someone needs to lift the positivity at that club, and Ange fits the bill for me
0: for that. Yeah, and I, I guess a lot of it, as you say depends on Harry Kane's future. Where do you expect Harry Kane to be playing this football next season, John? I suppose he is being linked to, to clubs outside the Premier League, but within the Premier League, I guess Manchester United the obvious option. I, th- I don't think there's anybody
1: else, really. Is that I mean, okay, we we could we could play Todd Bowley ball. Uh, <laughs> uh, Liverpool unlikely. Liverpool appear to have th- their wings clipped at transfer target wise, anyway. Uh, but I don't see him as you know that they've got you know a, a rack of strikers. Um, you yeah, know, maybe I, I suppose one of them, one outsider. And it could be one of those things in which uh, is a demonstration of Saudi power. Is that Newcastle go for him and say, "If you want to beat Alan Shearer's record, you do it in Alan Shearer's shirt." <laughs> um, but that seems unlikely because I think, uh, it, it, as as much criticism as Saudi Arabia's ownership of or co-ownership of Newcastle has received, uh, I think they've been pretty careful about the the uh, FFP stuff. Um, and I don't think they're going to go hugely over budget. They have got Alexander Isak. They have got Callum Wilson. Um, obviously, Harry Kane would be an upgrade on, on, on at least Wilson. But yeah, Manchester, what's the club that's glaring for a striker? What's the club that you watch every week and think, if only they had a striker to slot that in? <laughs> that's Manchester United, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it, it has to be done. And it, it I, I, the mood music from Kane, uh, he does a lot of public stuff at, at, at Spurs. You know, speaking before the game and um, spoke after the after the season. At, at no point, <laughs> as it appeared, that he's willing to commit to Spurs uh, and the future there.
0: Yeah, and of course, it will remain to be seen what the the ownership situation at Manchester United looks like. Jim Ratcliffe appears to be in the the driving seat for now, anyway. But, yeah. yeah. Um, finally, John, the the Mason Mount to Manchester United appears ever closer. Seems to have agreed personal terms with the club, if you're to believe some reports in the media this morning. Uh, a good signing for United if that goes ahead. I
1: think so. Yeah, uh, I think. Um, by the sounds of it, Eric Howard is very taken with him. Uh and if you're a Manchester United fan, so far you'd have to trust Ten Hag's judgment on the players he's brought in. Um give or take Valve course, bless him. <laughs> uh but you know, we could we could see what what was attempted there. Um Yeah, I, I suppose my only concern with Mount is there is a bit of a There's a bit of a bit of a catch a falling star thing really because Two years ago, he was a very important player when England reached the Euros final. Um, And um, he's one of those players that within the game has had a growing reputation. Obviously, he had the patronage of uh, Frank Lampard at Derby, at Chelsea. um, But he struggled beyond that. He struggled... uh, I mean, Tuchel obviously made him an important player as well. I think there's been injuries. I think he's been a bit tied by having to play almost every game for a long time. Um and the other thing is you can't really blame anybody uh for getting lost amid what's happened at, at Chelsea. Um I think we're gonna see a few players maybe leave that club and shine at other clubs because they are so talented. Um and, and I don't see why Mount shouldn't be one. And and, and the issue of course with Mount is I'd expect that Mount was quite happy to remain a Chelsea player, was happy to sign the new deal. But when uh, the, the new ownership came in and decided to... Well, they decided that they knew better. And they knew how to reconfigure the transfer market. So they would sign players on eight-year deals and offer them uh, contracts that were, um, say, let's say mid-market level uh, for, for a Premier League player over those deals. If you were Mason Mount and you've been a star player of England's uh, run to the Euros final, you've been a star player in Chelsea winning the Champions League, you don't want mid-market money and you don't want to sign an eight-year eight, eight deal. Uh, if you want to make enough money from your career, you want you want to move up to the, you know, 200,000, 300,000 bracket. If Chelsea aren't going to offer him that, and that appears to be the case, then Mason Mount has to leave the club and... I think uh, a lot of Chelsea fans would be very sad to see a player who, let's see, you know, Mace Mount could conceivably have be been Chelsea's captain for the next almost decade or so, mm. but uh, that appears to have not been the case and they've let him go. Um, he, my only concern is sometimes players don't transfer so well when they move you know, from north to south, but we've seen it at Manchester City that uh, in particular. That's not been so much of a problem. Uh, so let's see and you know he'll be living in that, that great big footballer's enclave in Cheshire, <laughs> uh, where they all live these days and um I'm sure he'll be quite happy there. Uh, but yeah, a good player. Um not sure he is uh say the Frankie De Young level that I think Sen Hag wanted back uh when he started. I am sure they might try and pursue that one as well. Uh but you get in Mason Mount, well, you're getting Harry Kane. You get a decent full-back, say, and you get a goalkeeper. Manchester United have had a strong summer. Uh, But um, I wouldn't be surprised if if you and I were talking uh, at the end of August and they still haven't signed Harry Kane and uh, they've only signed a couple of players because, as you say, this ownership question uh, does um, hang very heavy over what Manchester United are going to do.
0: Absolutely. Uh, John, really interesting stuff as always. Thanks so many for hopping on this morning. No problem.
1: Uh, really enjoyed it. Cheers. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.